The shower cleared her mind. Back in her room to dress, though, she couldn't find the cat. Calling softly, she looked under the bed, in the open closet, behind a stack of cartons. She checked Robin's room, the living room, even the basket of gourds. She would have looked further if her conscience hadn't begun to nag. Robin was in good hands at the hospital, but with their parents somewhere between Atlanta and Manchester, Molly had to make tracks. Letting her long hair curl as it dried, she put on clean jeans and a tee. Then Molly drove off with a cell in her lap, fully expecting that Robin would call. She would be resilient and sheepish, unless it truly was an Achilles rupture, which would mean surgery and weeks of no running. They were all in trouble if that was the case. An unhappy Robin was a misery, and the timing of this accident couldn't be worse. Today's 15-miler was a lead-up to the New York Marathon. If she placed among the top 10 American women there, she would be guaranteed a spot at the Olympic trials in the spring. The phone didn't ring. Molly wasn't sure if that was good or bad, but she didn't see the point of leaving a message for her mother until she knew more. Catherine and Robin were joined at the hip. If Robin had an ingrown toenail, Catherine felt the pain. It was lovely to be loved that way, Molly groused, and in the next breath felt remorse. Robin had worked hard to get where she was. Resentment to remorse and back was such a boringly endless cycle that Molly was glad to pull up at the hospital. Hurrying inside, Molly gave her name to the ER desk attendant and added, My sister is here. A nurse approached and gestured her to a cubicle at the end of the hall, where she fully expected to see Robin grinning at her from a gurney. What she saw, though, were doctors and machines. And what she heard wasn't her sister's embarrassed, oh, Molly, I did it again, but the murmur of somber voices and the rhythmic beep of machines. Molly saw bare feet, definitely Robin's, but nothing else of her sister. For the first time, she felt a qualm. One of the doctors came over. He was a tall man who wore large black-framed glasses. Are you her sister? Yes. Through the space he had vacated, she caught a glimpse of Robin's head. Short, dark hair messed as usual, but her eyes were closed and a tube was taped over her mouth. Alarmed, Molly whispered, What happened? Your sister had a heart attack. She recoiled. A what? She was found unconscious on the road by another runner. He knew enough to start CPR. Unconscious? But she came too, didn't she? No, she hasn't come too yet, said the doctor. We pulled up hospital records on her, but there's no mention of a heart problem. Because there isn't one, Molly said, and slipping past him, went to the bed. Robin? When her sister didn't reply, she eyed the tube. It wasn't the only worrisome thing. The tube connects to a ventilator, the doctor explained. These wires connect to electrodes that measure her heartbeat. The IV is for fluids and meds. Molly gave Robin's shoulder a cautious shake. Robin, can you hear me? Robin's eyelids remained flat. Her skin was colorless. Molly grew more frightened. Maybe she was hit by a car? She asked the doctor, because that made more sense than Robin having a heart attack at the age of 32. There's no other injury. When we did a chest x-ray to check on the breathing tube, we could see heart damage. 
But why is she still unconscious? Is she sedated? No, the doctor said. We suspect there's brain damage. She can't have brain damage, Molly said. Her heart stopped pumping. We don't know how long she was lying on the road before she was found. A healthy 30-something might have 10 minutes before the lack of oxygen would cause brain damage. Do you know what time she started her run? She was planning to start around five, but I don't know whether she made it by then. Where was she found? The doctor checked his papers. Just past Norwich. That would put her a little more than five miles from here. But coming or going? The location of her car would tell, but Molly didn't know where it was. Who found her? I can't give you his name, but he's likely the reason she's alive right now. Starting to panic, Molly held her forehead. She could wake up and be fine, right? The doctor hesitated. She could. The next day or two are crucial. Have you called your parents? Her parents. She checked her watch. They wouldn't have landed yet. My mom will be devastated. Can't you do something before I call them? We want her stabilized before we move her. Move her where? Molly asked. The ICU. She isn't going to die, is she? If Robin died, it would be Molly's fault. If she had been there, this wouldn't have happened. If she hadn't been such a rotten sister, Robin would be back at the cottage swigging water and recording her times. Let's take it step by step, the doctor said. First, stabilization. Beyond that, it's really a question of waiting. Molly was desperate. You don't understand. I can't tell my mother Robin is lying here like this. Catherine would blame her, instantly. It had always been that way. In her mother's eyes, Molly was five years younger and ten times more troublesome than Robin. Now the doctor wanted her to call Catherine and tell her that Robin might have brain damage because she, Molly, hadn't been there for her sister? It was too much to ask of her, Molly decided. After all, she wasn't the only one in the family. While the doctor waited expectantly, she pulled out her phone. I want my brother here. He has to help. <laughs>